Alright, good morning, afternoon, whatever the heck you're listening to this from. It is Tuesday, we're a day early. I understand, but that's okay, because if you were expecting Wednesday, that's perfectly fine. It is November the 2nd. I love Halloween. I don't know about you guys. I had a fantastic weekend. And uh, the big news coming out of entering this week was that the CEO of Evergrande, the, uh, that company in China that kind of almost crashed their entire economy, basically doubled down. He's like, we're going to do anything we can to make payments. And he put his house up as collateral on their loan. So <laughs> I, that's a ballsy move. Okay. I respect that. He's going to, captain's going to go down with the ship. Yep. Yep. Kind of hard to hate a man who's willing to throw everything on the line for his company. So, you know, yeah. don't see that too often. Yeah. No, they made their first round of payments. Everyone was worried about it, but they, they showed up and showed out and it was to the international bondholders too. So, uh, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. But <laughs> all right, we're looking at a mostly tech heavy episode. We have a lot to do, and then we're going to do a little bit of finance investment, touch realist one thing in real estate, and we have no crypto or DeFi this whole episode. So you're welcome for your break from that. I know we usually <laughs> go pretty heavy on that, but um, I actually don't have the first one on our list. I know we, we co op on a couple of them. So whoever's got the first one, let's dive right in. One of you. Matt, that. yes. I was gonna say we can skip it if you're if you're not ready. <laughs> no, I'm all good. Okay, send it. <laughs> okay, I was just saying that um, I found this today, and it said that only five percent of the cars sold in Norway so far this year, up until um, the start of October, were gasoline-powered cars. Oh my God! No way. Five <laughs> percent. Only five percent. Did it tell you how many cars were sold in Norway? I'm I'm curious. It it, it can't be that many. No, it didn't say. I mean, I assume their population's pretty sparse compared to ours. I mean, if you think of it kind of like Canada or Alaska, I mean, it's really cold up there. They're not going to have too, too many populous places, right. even though they do have some big cities. Well, you know, like Amsterdam, you probably don't use your car more as often. You just probably walk or take the train. Right, exactly. And this is big for them because they have a goal of having a zero-emission fleet of cars by 2025, which I assume that means basically like not selling any new cars that are internal combustion engines after 2025, which is only four years away. That's a cool goal. It's, it's more attainable for a smaller country like that. And it's kind of nice whenever they start doing it. It shows that the other ones could maybe catch up at some point. I don't think that's nearly feasible enough for us at this point. But man, 5% is blowing me away. I'm just trying to think of how that would look. Like how many electric car companies are there now that actually have viable vehicles on the road? Like you got Tesla, obviously, and I know Ford and Chevy have, like, these total BS garbage little electric cars and then the stupid electric Mustang that shall not be named. But uh, I'm, Volkswagen, do they have – Yeah. they don't really have Volkswagen. any over here. I've been seeing a couple of commercials for the Polestar, actually, or uh, whatever that one was called. Oh, that makes sense. That's a Danish company. Yeah, but – no, it's funny. I, I, I start to think about the demographics, too, of their of their people, you know – because in America, we have such a large country and so many diverse groups of people. I'm not here to degrade any one group of people, but I, I just think of the whole demographic of our country who likes, you know, a good lifted truck in the roar of an engine. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think you got too many of those people over in Norway. I may be wrong. But... Yeah, come come hang out down south. You'll see. Oh, funny anecdote. So this past weekend, we had Florida Georgia weekend, which is when UF and um, UGA, those colleges, when they play in Jacksonville. And you can literally tell when people start arriving in the city because you'll see more like 
dualies, which is where you have four wheels in the back instead of two that are lifted in these ginormous diesel trucks with like the smokestacks. Like they all just start appearing on a Wednesday or Thursday. And I didn't really notice it until Thursday or Friday. And I started looking and I was like, oh my God, they, they take over the city. It's horrible. Oh my god! I'd love to see the uh, Matt the can confirm numbers for that weekend. It's insane, and they oh my gosh, they call it RV City, where they basically just camp out near the stadium and all this stuff. It is it is a party of a weekend, and so I actually went to a tailgate for it, got to see some of the shenanigans. But holy cow! I oh the amount of gross trucks. <laughs> yeah, so what that made me think of. Yeah, that's what I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they don't have that same weekend over in Norway, but I might be wrong. I don't know what the people of Norway enjoy. The soccer matches, but they all take their hatchbacks there. (laughs) That's true. The electric Uh, hatchbacks. That's funny. Well, so speaking of electric cars, actually the next one I I wanted to bring up was that Lucid and Rivian, which are two, I think, awesome electric car companies. I've been watching for a while. They're officially shipping out their first cars soon. I've been hot on Lucid for quite a while. They they kind of like came out of nowhere over the summer and were like, bang, here we are. And basically just, it's this super sleek, I think gorgeous electric sedan that I, I think looks way better than Tesla Model S. I think a lot of Teslas are kind of plain, but either way, this, it looks like a Lincoln almost, but like nicer and sleeker and came out that they can go like 450, like some insane mile number on one charge. They do all this. They've got tons of power. I think they're a little expensive, but overall, I absolutely love the company. It is publicly traded right now, so if you do your research and like it, I suggest you invest in it because I think it's wonderful. Rivian, on the other hand, had a bit of a partnership with Ford a little while ago. Uh, I believe they dropped that off uh, in exchange for Amazon recently. So Amazon is their big backer right now. They are officially going public next week on the NASDAQ, and they're going to be valued a little over $60 billion dollars. This gets me thinking, do we put a premium on electric car companies because they're cool and ESG friendly? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's part of it. And I think you have a lot. I don't know what percentage of investors who are investing in these uh, companies once they go public um, are, are of the younger generation. But I think a lot of it is around the precedent that Tesla set. Yeah. And people are just waiting to find the next Tesla. So they're... You know, they're going to scoop up 10 shares here, 10 shares there, maybe 100 shares, and, and you know, who knows? I think they're going at, like, 60 bucks a share or something like that, but it's funny you bring that up because I totally agree with it, and I think that there's so few direct competitors in that industry that they could still gobble up some good market share. It's like, you have the other, you have, you know, Ford GM and Dodge Jeep Ram, blah, 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 all those, that massive conglomerate that's under one big name, and they you know, they think they control pretty much all of America, but the issue is that Tesla has so much money because people just enjoy that it. it's a hot new startup. Tesla is worth more than all three of those companies combined, <laughs> which is unbelievable to me. And it has nothing to do with how many cars they have on the road. It's just that people have poured so much money into their stock and driven their valuation up so darn high. It's unbelievable. So I, well, I'm probably going to pick up some Rivian shares just for funsies. It doesn't make any sense not to diversify. Yeah, yeah, I find it interesting. People keep saying every single year, you know, Tesla's overvalued, Tesla's overvalued. Well, but technically it, never, it is, <laughs> by like wow. every single measure. Yeah, and it just never budges. It's, I mean, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But I think the I think the day that the stock corrects and uh, it the valuation drops and everything drops, I think that's when Elon might pull out uh, the ace up his sleeve that we always talk about. Oh, and yeah. Just slam it down with the Roadster or... Uh, is that the one? I yeah, that's the one we always talk about, like the two-door hot sports car, fastest on the planet, yeah. all that. I, man. <laughs> like surprise stock. 
right back up. I'm glad you guys said that a little while ago because I think about that all the time. Like, yeah, the second if he starts to lose, that's exactly what he's going to do. He's got all these projects ready to go. Did you guys see on Twitter, and I know it, it didn't, it's funny, Twitter was actually faster than the rest of the world, like, across the board. I, this didn't hit the news until, like, yesterday, or maybe even today, but it was it was all over Twitter on the weekend, where the one of the people at the United Nations conference was like, we want Elon Musk to give us $6 billion, because we can fix world hunger or $6 billion, and Elon said, I'll do it, but you need to have open source accounting so I can see exactly where the money's going, because I don't believe it can be done. And I said... That's a great answer to that because he's got so much money that $6 billion would literally do nothing, but he's correct in assuming that if he just hands that money over, majority of it's not going to get put to work. It's going to go into the pockets of people who are on a payroll, and then nothing's going to change. And two years later, they're going to be like, oh, well, we need another $6 billion and call up Jeff Bezos, and he's not going to care. I did see that, actually. I saw that this morning when I logged into uh, Microsoft or whatever on my work computer. It was one of the headlines, and I was... I that's the first time I've seen a billionaire actually respond to that criticism. Yeah, they never and do. I never thought about it like that, but it's so true because he, he literally said it's just going to end up like you said in politicians' pockets. It's such a it's a ridiculously complex issue, and there's no one direct way to solve it. You can't. I I have this argument with a lot of people every time someone's like, "We got to tax the billionaires more," and I'm like, "Where do you think half of your taxes go? Like your taxes aren't spent responsibly, and it's okay, it's fine, and it's how the world works." But point being that. You can't throw money at an issue and it fixes it. You need labor. You need motivation. You need people to rally behind an idea and then actually do the work. And then you also need a very well put together supply chain, suppliers. <laughs> you need to actually have the products that are need to get to people. You need to make sure there's a fair way to get to those people who are not hoarding. Th- I don't. It, it's insanely complex. And it bothers me whenever someone says it's a simple issue to fix. It's not. It's one of our literal millennial generation crises. Like, ah, gets me. Yeah, if you stop and actually break it down, just think, okay, $60 billion to end world hunger. Okay. Six. Think how much food $60 billion is. Well, six. We're, in, we're already in a shortage. We don't have enough corn to keep the shelves stocked right now. Sorry, so we're already in a shortage. Yeah, you're then telling you me whiskey's getting damn expensive. worth of laborers to distribute $60 billion worth of food. Now we're like, so now it's more than $60 billion, first off, and we're already in a labor shortage. So well, wait. where are you going to get that labor? You keep it, saying- it's just like- Joey, you keep saying 60. It's six. It's a fraction of that, which is still a shitload of money. But here's the thing, though, is I went further in that thread where it's talking where Elon Musk was going off and they raised $8.4 billion in 2018. Did they really? And someone was like, where did the $8.4 billion that you have go? Like, mm-hmm. you had the money to fix this three years ago and you, like, pissed it away. Surprise, like, surprise. It ended up in someone's pocket. Someone oh. <laughs> is living lavishly right now. Lobbyists. If I remember right, like even the CEO of the, I think it's like the United Food, some whatever the people were that he was going back and forth with, mm-hmm. he was saying that like, well, the $8.4 billion that we raised, that went to save $270 million in the crisis of 2018. And the 6.4 or the 6.2 that we need now is to save 42 million lives immediately and not to end world hunger. And I was like, how did you take 8.4 and save 270 and 6.2 is only going to save 42? Because they're making shit up. They're putting out our pro forma and trying to guesstimate everything. And they think it's going to, it's just people saying stuff and Twitter, Twitter gives you the platform to say whatever the heck you want. I'm guilty of it too. (laughs) I can't help myself sometimes. Oh man. Did you see, um, 
Chevy T's the Chevy Beast. They're, they're like, I don't even know what you call it, Hummer Jeep competitor. No. Holy cow. Go look that up. Anyone who's listening, go look up the Chevy Beast concept that they just did. It's incredible. That thing is gorgeous. And you start to think, like, why the heck would you ever release the Bronco? <laughs> why would you ever release the stupid electric SUV Mustang? We want that. I want a sexy-looking, jacked-up Camaro Blazer hybrid that has a Corvette engine in it. You can take everything off on it. It looks way better than a Jeep. I just... It's incredible. It's a warthog. I, yeah. That's what I was about to say. It's literally a warthog. Yep. Yep. No, it's fantastic. And you should, yeah, that's, well, that's what they called it. It was some car publication. It was like, meet the real life Halo warthog. And I was like, where is it? How much is it? Can I buy it? It's a concept. God, man. Why do we only do cool things in concept? Why do we never actually do them? They saw Hoonigan make the real Warthog, and they are like, mm, we can do that and slap a Chevy logo on it and get a whole bunch of press. Yeah, well, Hoonigan's one of my favorite companies of all time for that reason. They just see it, and they're like, screw it, I want to do it, and then they do it. With enough cash flow, anything is possible, and people are generating the cash flow for them, so. How much do you think it cost them to put that Warthog together? Mm, it had to be north of a million. I, I can't imagine it was cost-efficient in any way. <laughs> No. No. Because they basically built it from the ground up. I mean, they took, like, the subframe from one car, and then they're like, all right, everything else is going to be billet made specifically custom for this car. Yep. Yep. And they had to do it to the specifications, I think. I believe the actual Warthog is supposed to have a little over, like, 700 horsepower or something like that, which is a reasonable amount of power, but I think they made theirs to 1,000 just for funsies. It's still not, like, super, super quick. I forget what they showed it racing against or something. But, like, then again, the thing weighs, like, what, two, three tons? Like, it's ridiculous. It's huge. And it's got all-wheel drive. I mean, like, that's a big, heavy system. Yeah, I mean, it's like basically trying to take a Humvee and make it go <laughs> zero to 60 in under five seconds. It's pretty hard to do. It's a rocket-powered brick. Well, so the one thing that has gotten lighter and more inexpensive and easier to make is lithium-ion batteries. I know I was either Emerging Tech Brew, Morning Brew, one of those great publications that I love. We get every, I think all three of us get them every morning. They're fantastic. They had a whole study done from 2008 to 2020, and that the cost of lithium-ion batteries has actually fallen 87, almost 90% within that 12-year period. That's incredible. And by 2025 or 2030, I don't remember, but anywhere in the near future, supposed to drop another 50% from there. That's awesome. It's just going to keep getting cheaper as we take advantage of economies of scale, which means that more people are manufacturing it, more volume. Everyone can. Everyone benefits from it. It's fantastic. I, oh, it makes me happy. It's great. I even saw a weird thing in the news where, like, it was a while back. It's been probably a year now where, like, basically some of the metals you need for batteries are really, really hard to get. They're yeah. really expensive to mine. But one of the things is they precipitate on the ocean floor. They just make little rocks that kind of sit down there really deep. And some com uh, company wants to, it's like either a net or a rover of some sort. They're going to sit there and just kind of scrape them up off the bottom of the ocean, these little balls of uh, metal that they need, and then they'll use them for the uh, batteries. And I was like, well, that's really smart because, A, you're kind of cleaning up the ocean in one part. B, you're not having to go, like, tear up a mountain or, like, a valley or something like that just to get metals out of the ground. Why can't we use space? I mean, I think it's a whole lot harder to strap a <laughs> rocket with a mining crew to it and onto an asteroid that's flying through space. Look, man, I just got the good ideas. I don't know how to get there. Uh, space is a lot of rocks. Space has got to have the right rocks eventually. And it does have the right rocks, but we have to be able to find one that's going to get close enough to it, get us a rocket that can land on it while it's moving through space, 
mine the materials we need in the short period it's close enough to it and then blast those goods and materials back to earth in that period we get a lot of smart people we'll figure it out you can quote me on that you know by the way. space has a lot of rocks it's a scientific statement we right. just need to strap a really big solar panel right outside of a star to collect all the energy and yep. then ship it back to Earth. Somehow find a way to not lose all the energy in the way and like just cycle batteries in and out and do all that stuff. Man, solar's something I was hot on for a while, but it's just by by the numbers, it is nowhere near moving as fast as the electric battery technology is. The DC current stuff is just it's going so fast. I think Elon's pushing it just not quite as much i mean he's got his solar tile roofs which are doing really really cool things that haven't been done before which is awesome because like if you one breaks in a hurricane or a hailstorm or whatever you just have to pay someone they come they swap out one tile you move on which is awesome but like i don't think it's top of his list and i think he's the major push person that's pushing this like forward he's he had solar city for a while and then they kind of didn't they sell that I'm not sure, but we have one of those type things down here. It's called Babcock Ranch, and it's oh, supposed yeah. to be a totally renewable energy little city that they're building down here. It's not really a city. It's kind of like a neighborhood with a grocery store in the middle of it. Cool. That sounds like but a fun social point is, is like It'll all be solar-powered and wind-powered. Well, I mean, doing that to scale seems unbelievably difficult. It's like, I agree. don't you need just fields and fields and fields of solar and wind turbines just to power a small piece of area? Essentially, yeah. I mean, you remember we had a huge one there at FGCU, and it didn't power, like, but one building? Yep, I do. And half of them weren't even on most of the time. Yeah, like, it's not a great technology yet, but I think we've also got plenty of room for improvement, and as soon as someone figures that out, they're going to boom and be the next Tesla-like company, because... Tesla blew it up with cars. We just need someone to blow it up with solar panels to make that change. And planes. I know we talked about that a little bit last week, but there was another report came out that basically, and you can probably talk more to this. I don't have as much, but the main point was that it was highlighting that we could do this kind of thing with planes. It's on the way and it's coming quickly. Just not for massive jetliners like commercial stuff yet. Yeah, but it's getting better. I mean, just with the same thing I talked about was that like uh, Tesla and Panasonic are partnering to make the smaller batteries that will increase uh, the storage amount by 50, uh, like five times, increase range by 50%. You apply that same talk, uh, technology to planes, and all of a sudden the size and amount of like planes that can run on this just increases exponentially. And I think that's going to grow more and more, too, as we're able to put more power in smaller areas. Air taxis. It'd be so cool to be able to go like 100 miles in 30 minutes. That'd be incredible. I mean, we kind of tried to do that forever ago where they had the like supersonic Learjets, which was supposed to be the way that all the super rich were going to get around. And basically you would have one at your home is shaped like a giant needle in the sky and you blast off and you could go from New York to Tokyo in two hours and then fly back. Like it's supposed to fly up as high as it can near the edge of space. It's a cool idea. Man, I kind of wish we'd done that, but it doesn't sound very efficient. No, it was not efficient at all only a billionaire type thing because it used so much gas and was this really super techie plane that now there's only a few of them around yeah we have to give up a ton of stuff just to even fund a few of those exactly yeah, it'd only work if you're like the ceo of alibaba and jeff bezos wanting to go on a quick trip from his office to uh, someone else's 
Speaking of that, Jack Ma kind of resurfaced recently. I saw him in the news. I don't remember what he was saying, but I think it was more negative stuff about the Chinese government. So he he might disappear again for a few months. That's <laughs> a dark, dark joke, but it's unfortunately true. Hopefully he's not in China still. If he is, then he better get out. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, man, he tried. They wouldn't let him. Shoot. <laughs> you said you're not going anywhere. Yeah, he did his darn best. And I don't know. Alibaba and Ant Group and all them are kind of having their own issues, but. No, well, all right. So I want to move on to something kind of fun. And Joey, you're this is like pretty much all you. And I saw this. I know you went on a little bit on our sheet, but that the Oculus Rift, or the Oculus brand, not just the Oculus Rift, is going to be sunset, which is a technical term that means they're killing the product line at some point. They're basically giving an execution date. It's going to be sunset in 2022, which kind of bums me out. But the only real difference is that the headsets are going to be named the Meta brand after Facebook's new big change. If you don't know, the Oculus brand type stuff is. Uh, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality headsets, and the like. So you have a lot more on this. I'm going to let you run with it. Yeah, so Facebook announced their, I guess they're meta now, but I'm going to continue to re- refer to them as Facebook just so we don't all have brain aneurysms. Yep. Um, Facebook announced their next venture into the VR space. As everyone out there knows, if you're a frequent listener of ours, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg it has an ambition to become the emperor of the metaverse. Space and time. <laughs> to roll over that domain. So his next step in achieving that goal of his is Project Cambria. And it's the next line in the Oculus slash meta brand VR headsets, which have been extremely popular, mainly due to the accessibility that they provide to your average consumer like myself. Um, you don't need a beefy PC or different cameras mounted around your room in order to be able to enjoy an Oculus headset. All you really need is $299 and a local Best Buy or an Amazon account, and you can get yourself one of these things. And you just, they're, they're ready to go right out of the box. There's no setup. You just strap it on and go. And that's what makes it great. Um, currently, the two brands or the two models on the market, you have the Quest 1 and the Quest 2. These are the most user friendly. They have different product lines like the Rift, um, the Go. Uh, but the Quest lines are, are the most user-friendly and most accessible to your average consumer. I have the Quest 1. I love it. I know John has had a chance to try out before. So uh, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he likes it. Oh, my gosh. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'd recommend it to anyone out there. Um, the Quest 2 has been out for a year now. It has a price point of $299. And uh, this is a little bit different than Cambria, Project Cambria, the next headset which is expected to come in at 600 to $700. And I'll go into why that is here in a second. Um, but just because they're moving in the direction of Project Cambria doesn't mean the Quest 2 is dead. The Quest 2 is, is far from dead. Facebook slash Meta <laughs> is still investing heavily into the Quest 2. The Quest 1 is slowly being killed off, which is what I have. So I guess I got to muster up another 299 here soon. Um, but there are some big ticket games coming to the Quest 2 as they continue to install updates over the over time as the technology you know increases and gets better um some big ticket big name games that i've seen coming to the quest 2 soon is actually resident evil 4 and gta which is grand theft auto san andreas both slated to come to the headset by the end of this year or early next year and this is extremely exciting um, because these are huge console games from most of the consumer base that they have uh, youth 
Like we played these, our generation has played these when we were younger and to be able to experience these in virtual reality is something I think a lot of people will want to do. I know I will, um, but they're not going to have compatibility with the original quest. So you're going to have to, I'm going to have to shell out and fork over that 299 for the new quest. Um, but the big focus on project Cambria, which is where they're going is on face and eye tracking. And this is how you're going to really start to get into this metaverse type of thing. It's going to make it viable for corporate meetings, uh, different functions. Um, and it does this because you're going to be able to make eye contact with people. The headset is going to see where your eyes are looking and, uh, and where your face, your face, facial structure, um, different emotions, whether you're smiling, uh, frowning, things like that, it'll be able to pick up on. So if you're in a virtual reality meeting with uh, a couple other people in your business or that you're doing business with, it, it'll, it'll be able to track your eyeballs and, you know, they'll see you're making eye contact with them. Um, this is only, you know, one of the features that he discussed during the Facebook connect, uh, press conference the other week. Um, but the other big thing about project Cambria is it's going to offer augmented reality support as well, which is slightly different than virtual reality. Virtual reality is you're actually in a virtual reality. Reality is now virtual. It's digital. Uh, you look around you, you're in a new place. Augmented reality is you're kind of adding stuff to the world around you. That isn't really there. You're augmenting your current reality. Um, so there were some leaks, uh, a couple tutorial videos, um, and a couple, uh, I don't know, they weren't really patents, but di different things that, are, that have been filed and, and just leaked out into the internet, have you. Uh, and it kind of shows the ability to place digital items on humans in real time and uh, replace different things about you. So think kind of like uh, if you've ever used the Snapchat filters, but you can put a hat on your head and uh, walk around and other people in augmented reality are going to see this hat on your head. Or you can replace the cars driving on the street with spaceships. So uh, instead of seeing a bunch of cars going on the highway, you see a bunch of spaceships. Um, it's cool. It's neat. Uh, I don't know where, what the uh, the possibilities are with it. I'm sure they're endless. Um, last thing in, is that it'll be able to accomplish this through the cameras. They're going to capture high-resolution, full-color video for the users to see through the headset, which is how the augmented reality is going to be achieved with this device. So a lot of good stuff coming up here in the future. Uh, no estimated release date yet for Project Cambria. Um, I would say end of 2022, early 2023. So if you do want to venture into the virtual reality world, go out and get yourself a Quest 2. I wouldn't hold on for Cambria. Uh, I think that's going to be for more of the experienced and uh, kind of VR early adopters. Um, but Quest 2 at $299 is a great price point for anyone that wants to get into the world of virtual reality and get their feet wet. That's fantastic. You did a good job. So first thought, augmented reality is just a way to legally take drugs. <laughs> that is what I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. If you don't want to, if you don't want to mess with the health, uh, the health effects of drugs, I don't want to do anything that could potentially last 12 hours and I have no control over Why don't I just put these glasses on and all of a sudden everyone's head looks really big. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if drugs augment your reality, then this type of augmented reality is similar. And that vein. The other thing is if we're having the problem with the facial expressions in, in corporate meetings is that I think most people were kind of hyped on the whole Zoom thing because you could like really hide your disappointment if you were annoyed. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do that now. <laughs> your dude's going to look angry and they're going to be like, oh, man.
That's true. And the, the eyeball tracking too. I mean, whenever I'm sitting on a Zoom meeting, I can look off camera, look at my phone. <laughs> yeah, no, can... one, no one's really looking where my eyes are. But if I'm in a virtual reality meeting and it's tracking my eyes, it'll look really weird if all of a sudden I'm just looking down at my crotch because I'm texting <laughs> my laugh or something. They're like, dude, what are you looking at? <laughs> I'm just staring straight down. Yeah, high school students are going to be shaking in their boots because I know the whole like virtual learning thing was great because people people were smart enough, figured out a way around it to where they could just do whatever they wanted and not actually do it. Now they're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that'll be interesting. It'll be, uh, it'll be cool to see where they go with this. But once again, uh, I'll repeat it before we move on. Highly recommend getting yourself a Quest 2 if you don't have one. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, if you can, if yeah, you just like, randomly find it, they're amazing. So much fun. Yeah, that's like a really good price point too. It's like two ninety nine because like my comparison is they've got the Valve Index out, which is the company that like runs Steam and that internet gaming thing. Mm-hmm. And the price point for that is a thousand dollars for the full headset, all the gear, and all that type of stuff. So you're putting that out for three tenths of the price. That's amazing. I, I thought they were way more expensive. So whenever I got to try Joey's, I, my first thing I asked was, okay, how much does this cost? Did you do drop like a ridiculous amount of money? And he's like, no, 300 bucks. Like, really? <laughs> I mean, this thing is, it does everything. It's all in one. So yeah, I'm, oh, I'm hooked. I want one so bad. Yeah. Well, actually, it's interesting. The one I have uh, is it was actually 500, but I could have gotten it for 400 if I would have gotten the lower gigabyte version. It's interesting, the second Quest is actually cheaper than the original, and that's due to a couple of different things. They changed the type of lenses they have in the headset, which are more inexpensive, and a lot of the material, which is why I was hesitant to, to go out and get a Quest 2 quite yet, because I love my Quest 1, but it has it was made with really nice material. The headband's rubber. Um, the, the whole console itself is a very fine... Um, type of mesh material, the, it's memory foam where you put your eyeballs, um, the way you can adjust the lenses is on a slider, whereas there's only three fixed positions on the Quest 2. So they definitely cut back some of the quality to be able to get to that 299 price point, but t- the technology itself is there, and it's much better than um, the original Quest. Uh, the resolution of the lenses is better than the original Quest. So, I mean, it is an upgrade. And there are things you can do to get that added quality, like the rubber headband. There, there are companies out there. I can't remember the one that is most well-known, but you can buy different straps to make it more comfortable, different accessories, and that's how you end up paying the $500 whenever you start substituting some of the factory version of the headset with some of the more customized, customized accessories that are out there. So it's almost like the iPhone problem. Like By the time you get a new iPhone, they have an even better one out. It just, it moves so fast. Yeah, exactly. That, And that's why a lot of people were saying hold off till after Facebook Connect if you're thinking about getting a Quest 2. But seeing that Project Cambria is still probably a year, year and a half out. And uh, Facebook has said that they're not going to stop supporting the Quest 2 anytime soon. In fact, quite the opposite. They're giving a bunch of updates to it. And it looks like they're really leaning into the Quest 2. In addition with Project Cambria, uh, now would be a good time to get one. I, yeah, so Christmas is coming, but they're probably going to be sold out immediately is all I can think of. It's like all the big tech stuff is so hard to find. I was looking for a couple extra speakers this past weekend. I like the Ultimate Ear speakers a lot, and they had a very limited selection at my local Best Buy. I walked in just expecting it to be loaded per usual, and I <laughs> didn't have too many choices. And I'm getting a Boom 3 and a uh, Mega Boom, whatever it is. So they're just they're terrific, and I love them, but 
tech is getting tough to find. You have to order it like a month out. Yep, that and everything else. I just got a new sectional um this past weekend. Not getting it till the end of January. A new what? Uh, sectional uh, couch. Oh, okay. Well, that that's not really tech though. Nope. <laughs> it's but te- tech for your butt. Supply chain butt tech. issue. <laughs> Furniture. Yeah, that's true. Is it coming from IKEA? Uh, no, believe it or not, I got it from Value City. That's funny. IKEA just had a whole bigger announcement where they're like, "All right, we want to have um like these green sustainable little shops within their mega city shop or something like that." And so that's on top of the restaurant they already have and all this other stuff. IKEAs are like their own little villages. It's like a playground. I love going to IKEA. My girlfriend hates IKEA, but I love it. I've never actually been to an IKEA. Oh, yeah. it's fun. It's like going to Chuck E. Cheese almost. <laughs> it's adult Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, it's like going to Dave and Buster's, except the whole place is a maze and there's no games. The game <laughs> trying to find your way through the maze. Well, their value offering is really interesting. I like it a lot. It's basically like, look, you're gonna build the furniture yourself, but you're gonna pay way less, and it's all gonna be in a really flat box, so it's easy to carry. Yeah, it's it's nice. I enjoy it. And they got more than just furniture. I mean, all their their uh, home accessories, silverware, dishes, plates, napkins, pillows. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They got it all. It's fun. All right. I'm going to go try me an Ikea this coming up weekend. How about that? Yeah. Go on a little adventure. <laughs> Love it. Okay. You guys ready to move on? Yes, sir. Right. Looks like we're going to need to take a logistics break here too shortly. Yep. We can do that right now. All right. Back like we never left. Fantastic. So let's jump right into American Airlines had big headlines today, which is yesterday for you or whenever Monday was this week, they canceled over 1,900 flights this past week. And that was due to basically like a big old domino effect that happened where they had a couple of staffing issues and had to cancel a few flights. But then once those flights are canceled, that means pilots and crew are stuck in other cities and they can't make their later flights, which means those have to be canceled, which means that crew has to cancel. And so basically just like one after another, everything kind of fell down. And it was a bit of a bummer, but funny enough, their stock still rose throughout all of it. I don't really know. Uh, Spirit's doing pretty well too, even though they've had a couple of similar experiences. And so um, we're kind of entering like the new era of flying where there's just going to be, it's not going to be as smooth as it used to be purely because we have a bit of staffing issues, a little bit of supply chain, and just a little bit of overall confusion. I think we're just kind of entering a time where things are going to have to, we're going to have to learn to adapt a little bit. And that's okay. It's not a big deal. Everyone's going to have to learn to relax. Do you think this is going to be foreshadowing for how it's going to be come Thanksgiving and Christmas with the very major like air travel holidays? Yeah, no, it's going to be a mess. And I think companies are going to have to kind of figure it out. And they're going to be like, all right, look, it's okay if you miss a day of work because we understand that everyone's in the same boat right here. And if they're not able to adapt in that way and you lose a bunch of employees, I think you deserve it because, look (laughs) – we're all in the same boat here. It's gonna hit, it's gonna hit us really darn hard this holiday season. But I think they've convinced us in this weird thing where, like, like you're saying, like companies are gonna have to adapt to their people not making it on time. Where oh yeah, the airlines have convinced us that it's not their fault when things don't work. I mean, they always have issues where they overbook flights and whatever it is where people can't make it home on time, even though they booked it, paid this extreme premium to fly on this plane to get from one place to another. And they still convince us that it's not their fault. It's like, it's all on us that they shouldn't have to make up for the fact that they had the issue. Oh, they have the planes. They have all the power, right? Right. I mean, but like we got all, we got so many of them out there. I mean, we got like all these different airlines. I'm surprised someone hasn't come out there to kind of change the culture to the point where like they take some sort of accountability Well, because like it's wild. 
enough people are like kind of annoyed with flying that it's going to really, really surprise me if in the next few years we don't find someone who's able to put together their own small private fleet and start a company that kind of fixes it. Well, I mean, Virgin has their airlines, don't they? Yes. Didn't he literally set out to solve that exact problem? I am not entirely sure. I've never flown on a Virgin flight, nor have I I. seen any that have gone out of the airports I've been from. I think they're much, much smaller compared to any of these. Well, I know Spirit kind of did the same thing. They wanted to make flights as cheap as physically possible, so that's a bit of a different value offering. I mean, the airline industry has got to be ridiculously hard to get into. I mean, planes are expensive. Crew is expensive. Your insurance is probably through the roof constantly all the time. you got to basically bully your way in with the big dogs. I, that's a problem that I don't know if it's going to figure itself out for a little while, but it's there. Like it's ready. It's ready to be solved. But I'd like to think that like over the time, like planes have been around for a good while. Like we first planes in like the 1940s, something like that. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, that's when they first used World War II. I have no idea. But like, so planes have been around a while. I mean, like you had Frank Sinatra flying on planes. So like quite a while. <laughs> and I like to think that like technology has made operating and flying a plane much cheaper for them at least. Right. But like flying has gone from being this lavish luxury thing where you went on there and people had a good time and the food was great. And it was, it was an experience all on its own to something where you're all crammed in like a can of sardines and the price has only skyrocketed way above where it was in the past. Well, it got more accessible, more accessible means more demand. More demand, higher price, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But I feel like with all of the different companies that have come out, we've also got more supply. Sure, but everyone, you know, there's a a larger pool of people, and most of those people can now get to it and have places to be. Fair enough. (laughs) There's a lot of moving parts. I'm just, I got to play devil's advocate at some point if you're bringing the argument up. I don't really know. I get it. You're right. I mean, you're definitely right. I'm just saying that, like, I don't know. I find something inherently wrong with the airline industry and it needs to be fixed and i think getting self-driving cars out that can go at 120 miles on the highway would be the perfect solution if i can go 120 in a car that drives itself and just take a nap i don't need to be on a plane yeah express lanes would be much preferable to that i agree with that too and you wouldn't have i mean you'd save a little bit of time on the plane but not that much so we've all right this is going to lead into the next one it's it's all going to make sense in a minute but we have I call this is a verb technically. We have gig economied like every problem we've had in the past five years. Like all we do is just contract it out to someone who can do it on their own free time as a side hustle and done. Like we hate taxi drivers, done. Like Uber, right there, done. Taxis are gone, nobody uses them anymore. Uh, we hate grocery shopping. Wait a minute, you can subcontract that out to someone in your neighborhood who can go pick them up and drive them to you. Uh, <laughs> all these companies solve problems by just allowing people to have a side hustle to do it for them without the corporate structure. It's wonderful. So I think that's the reason we haven't been able to fix this is because you can't do that with an airline. We like not enough people have private planes in an affordable way that we could do that. So that maybe the air taxis and the electric planes will fix that a little bit. They'll alleviate that problem. But until until your daily Joe Schmo can help out and do the work, it's not going to be possible. I hate grocery shopping. I'm happy you brought that up. That is my least favorite chore since moving out of my parents' house. I'd rather cut grass till the cows come home, but shoot me in the face when I go grocery shopping on Sunday morning. I love grocery shopping. Worse. It's so much fun. You get to decide what you're going to eat that week and the next week. There's just so many people, and every time I want to look at something, 
five other people just show up. Like, I'm the only person in the whole spice aisle. Only one. I walk up to the spice rack looking for Italian herb because I want to make some dipping oil and dip some nice crusty Italian in it. And the <laughs> second I walk up and park my cart in front of the spice rack, five other people come out of nowhere. Like, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm like, what, where the hell did you come from? Like, wait a goddamn minute. Let me find my Italian herb. It's, I just cannot with people. dude. I can't. I can't. Can't grocery shopping sucks. So yes, hopefully our average Joe Schmo can solve the airline issue, and because I'm going to start using the average Joe Schmo to solve my grocery shopping issue. You get fired up about the funniest things. Dude, that is my biggest gripe, and I've been complaining about it to anyone who would listen to me for like the past month. You can- I hate grocery shopping. It is it is the bane of my existence right now. I'd rather cold call all day. Just, shop. that's most people's worst I get fear. it though like it seems that once people get in a grocery store like their brain just turns off like yep. when we're on the highway in a road everybody knows you go on the right the other people are on the left <laughs> and like you keep your car off the side if you have to pull over you pull over to the side but no for some reason we get in a grocery store and all of a sudden we can't remember what side we're supposed to be on and the buggies are right in the middle stopped and they like park it on one side and stand another side like it's not that hard, fam. We can figure no. this out. We need like the two brain cells we got working to like click together and make it happen. I don't know where you oh. guys are shopping, but it's not that uh, we have a Publix right across the street. It's it's not that crowded ever there. Ah, uh, Sunday mornings, John. That's that's that why is... you go with the wrong. Go after work because no one wants to do anything after work. Maybe I just picked the wrong time, but I go Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, that's the time always... everyone grocery shops. Yeah, I'm way too tired to go at 8, so I wait till 11. That way I can get home at 12, put it away by 12.30, and then get into pregame for the Steelers at 1 o'clock. Yeah, that is that is got it. So you should do the Google Analytics for that and try to find when the busiest possible time to go to a grocery store is because I would guarantee it is Sunday before the football games start. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I just want to off myself every time I do it. I complain too, and I'm like, because Maddie refuses, my girlfriend refuses to come to the grocery store with me. And she cleans while I'm there. So, I mean, it works out. But still, I just, oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. If you're still living at home, stay at home as long as you can. Because grocery shopping is what will push you over the edge. But if you do like grocery shopping, as I do, go people watching near the produce aisle. It's hilarious. You can tell exactly who's there for the first time and who's there for the hundredth time. Because the people who are there for the first time look at the produce aisle and they're like, what am I looking at? I have no clue what to do here. And then the people who know exactly what they're doing go grab the one to two things they actually need from there and just move right along. It's hilarious. <laughs> Mostly because I, you know, I remember my first time using the produce aisle. I was probably just two three years ago or something like that whenever i like first actually got into cooking and all this kind of stuff and i was that guy i was like deer in the headlights look and i was like what is a bok choy i what are what are (laughs) these things that i'm looking at i don't know i know broccoli and cauliflower and corn that's it Mm -hmm. it is dude your first time going to the grocery store by yourself is very intimidating and i'm not talking about like going down there for a bag of chips while you still live at home i'm talking about Whole week's worth of shopping to do. Like actually you're down planning. there your first time and you're trying to figure it out. Yeah, the it, funny – go ahead. I was just say it's intimidating. The funny thing is like the startup cost of building a kitchen are very, very interesting because once you build a spice cabinet, you're good for like a year. Like you're, you're okay because you're not going to use all of them every single week and they'll last you forever. But 
there are certain things you do have to get every week and then things that you just never realize you're only going to need once or twice throughout the entire year. But when you don't have that thing is the one time when you very, very, very badly need that thing. <laughs> yep, that's so true. Yep. Is so true. All right, that was our tangent on the grocery store. Yeah, we went down a that was a combined rabbit hole there. Okay, let's let's tackle the last two and finish up. All right, we have oh, all right. So where I was eventually going with the whole gig economy thing is that Hertz made the news as well because they they had their whole thing last week where they're like, yeah, we're gonna buy a hundred thousand Teslas, and I was like, they're literally bankrupt. How are they doing this? And they're they're just gonna bankrupt themselves. It's goofy. Either way, they pretty sure got the order through. I don't know, but they made the news again. I swear, they're just on like a PR craving spree at this point. They're making half of those Teslas available for rent for Uber drivers. And that caught my eye because I was like, wait a minute. There's like three things here that don't make any sense. So the Uber drivers have to individually rent the cars out from Hertz and then hope that they're going to make their money in the week it's they're going to start at 334 dollars a week which is going to then decrease to 299 a week so i mean i i don't know someone do the math split that seven seven ways if you're a full-time uber driver that's your bare minimum so your profit margins have just been squeezed for but at the same time now you're not paying for gas and if you have somewhere where you can charge cheaply and efficiently overnight you've probably done okay yeah i don't know i mean it feels like we're just switching back a taxi company except hertz is the taxi company Uh uh-huh they reinvented it you've got all the subcontractors for the uber drivers and they'll make whatever their rate is for like uh driving but then uber still takes a chunk of that and i feel like it's going to make it even worse than actual taxi companies because then they own the cars and they hired the drivers you had two people that are splitting money now you've got hertz uber and the Uber driver splitting the money. We've got a third person. It's going to cost more. Yep. My thoughts exactly. We reinvented the wheel and uh, can't wait to see where it goes. And it's either going to totally flop or we're going to be wrong. And it's a great idea and it got more efficient for everyone. So I was going to say, is Hertz even thinking about what they're doing at this point? Or is this like the last ditch effort whenever you're drowning and it's your last little ugh, to stay above water and gasp for air? I'm fairly convinced that they they're playing off of the old adage of any news is or any publicity is good publicity. And they're kind of just like, if we start doing ridiculous stuff, everyone's going to buy our stock and we're going to have lots of money that we can use to fix ourselves. The thing is I, they're not Elon Musk. Elon Musk gets himself an injection of $5 million and he's like, Ooh, I have 20 projects I could do right now. They are a car rental company. Yes. I don't think, a lot of uh, millennial day traders, Gen Zers, <laughs> any of the, those kids are, are running to the stock market to, to pump money into Hertz. It was a meme a stock A lot of those traders, I feel like, are, are I don't want to say irrational, but but they like to see, you know, the big thing. Like, Elon Musk is selling flamethrowers. Boom. There's, there's my headline. I see Hertz is buying Teslas, and I'm like, oh, the car rental company at the airport? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's not your first thought. It was originally happened because a lot of Uber drivers wanted to go out and get electric cars to drive every day, which, again, makes sense. You're probably going to save yourself a ton of money over a long enough period of time, but they couldn't afford that. Now, this is interesting because, I mean, they're getting cheaper all the time. So maybe you just wait another two or three years, save up that money and do that where it's even cheaper at the time, as opposed to having to constantly shell out the money for your rental for the Uber. I I can't do the math on the spot right now, but it, it kind of seems like it's just pushing a little bit of like 
you know, instant gratification almost. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem quite like it makes sense. I mean, I see things all the time on social media where they're like, oh, I pay for my expensive car by I bought it and I rent it out on like Turo yeah. specifically, like, which is the one for the fancier cars or whatever. And so they say, I rent it out five days a month. And for those five days, that makes back my payment on my car. So then I get to drive it the rest of the month as much as I want. And I feel like that's a much more efficient way to do this would be buy a Tesla and then do that rather than to rent the Tesla and try to save up money while you Uber with it. Right. But the first option takes a lot of thinking and a lot of work. Like even me sitting here and I could do it with enough given time. I have no desire to do that. That's way too much work. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, if you want something enough, you'll put in the work for it. That's the thing. We just don't want it enough. And I feel like there's a lot of people that they want things and they think they want them a bunch, but they're not willing to put any effort to get there, really. They want it to be easy. Sure. And I also would love a Porsche 911, but I want that Porsche 911 to be mine. I don't want it to be someone else's for a few days out of the month. I, I don't really care for that. I think if I'm going to own it, I'm going to own it to own it. But if you figured out that you could take and you could literally just rent this car out full, like you say you buy it, you finance it, and you could rent it out for, let's say, three to six months. And after three to six months, it's completely paid off and all yours. Would you do that? Well, it sounds great in theory. I just don't think it would work the same way in practice. But I don't know. I could be wrong. It, it sounds really good. You're making me want to try it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not totally sure on the process, and I'm sure like it's not as perfect as it sounds. Otherwise, everybody would do it. That's how life works. If sure. it works well and it's easy, then people do it, and they... And like eventually it goes away, but like theoretically, it sounds like it'd be super easy. And then I would just buy it, rent it out full time. Then it'd be mine in three to six months. I'd have a decent amount of miles on it probably at that point. But then I would have a Porsche that I didn't even pay for. Yeah. And you wonder where that sounds coming from. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, yeah, I'm just trying to picture, we, we can move off this in a minute, but I'm just trying to picture like, I want like another I want like a big nasty Mustang with a manual transmission and all these upgrades on it that make it pretty much undrivable to anyone besides me because I know how to drive it. Like there's an appeal to only you being able to drive it. And when someone else is like, hey, can I drive your car? I'd be like, you literally couldn't if you tried because you don't know all the bells and stuff that you have to push to get it to move. Otherwise, it's going to wipe out. Did I don't you know. ever hear about the thing in the, uh, I think it was in the 70s or 80s. It was called Rent a Racer. No. So back when, I think it was in the 70s and 80s, when all the big muscle cars were coming out that were like crazy and wild. Oh, yeah. There was a company called Rent-A-Racer that came out, and it was basically like Hertz, but only for the big cars. It was like, it'd be only if they sold Porsche 911s, Hellcats, Demons, like Hennessy, uh, whatever. It was meant that you could go and you could rent out this thousand, like not in today's terms, it'd be like a thousand horsepower, whatever. And take it out for the day, take it to the drag strip, do whatever you want, have a blast with this beast of a car, and then you just turn it in at the end of the day. So what happened to this company? Because it already sounds like their profit margins were like zero. I mean, they're, they're far gone, but I know like there's still remnants of their cars around because they had special edition uh, like Mustangs and all that came out with their name. It was like the Rent the Racer Mustang. Well, I'm sure it'd be awesome, but you have to think like, Nah, th- those profit margins are probably terrible. I mean, you, the car itself is expensive off the bat. You have to charge a reasonable price so that most people could go and afford to do it. And then the car is going to break because people are going to beat the crap out of them. At least that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, I don't see it anymore. I gave it a quick Google search, and it sounds like uh, here it is. Hertz now has 
I guess, the rights to it. And in 2016, <laughs> they came out with the 2016 Ford Shelby GTH, which was the 50th anniversary edition of the Shelby uh, GT350 Rent-A-Racer. Wow. So, they, yeah, you're right. They did have their own special edition then. That's pretty cool, though. I don't know. If you're in a, like, if you're really trying to show off for someone, I guess you grab one of those and pay what another extra five hundred bucks, something like that. I don't know, but I guess it's just one of those things where you could just go have a good time, have a blast, drive something that you never get to drive otherwise for five hundred dollars a day. <laughs> sure, makes sense to me. All right, are we done with that one? Yes, sir. Sounds good. Last one, we'll end off on Amazon news because Amazon's always fun. They had a big old, uh, they had a they had a front pager this uh, this past day. They said, we finally have enough space for our operations to run smoothly, but we're going to need more, even more next year. This is interesting to a guy like me who does work in the real estate space. And Amazon is the, they, they will just literally buy up, control everything, and then maybe not even do anything with it. Because they have all this money and they just need to put it to work. But when they do commit, they build big buildings, really big facilities. They're massive. So a lot of... Landlords and landowners will basically hold out and not do anything, not sell for years because they're hoping that their big old tract of land that might be zoned for an Amazon space or zoned correctly for it, that Amazon will come in and buy it. And apparently it feels and looks good to do a big deal with Amazon, even though they're a misery to work with. So they've sucked up so much land in these past two years, year and a half. And uh, they eventually came out and said, all right, we finally have enough floor space, which they just haven't had. And they said, well, no, we need to build even more next year. So I, I am confident if Amazon is still buying more land and still building more stuff, they themselves can literally prop the economy up. So yeah, that's my big, that's my bullish note that that gave me a lot of confidence for the next two years. I agree. I mean, Amazon is they might end up being the backbone of our economy god yeah no i would love to know we sh- i'm gonna do some research for the next one try to figure out how much of our gdp is concentrated between like the like the five the fam stocks of the of facebook which is now wow so it's like it's like mam it's they totally <laughs> messed up the acronym <laughs> it used to be the fang stocks facebook apple amazon uh what was it netflix and google but google's now alphabet facebook's now meta Apple's still Apple. Uh, I don't think Netflix is up there at all. Um, I'm going to figure that one out. That's my homework. <laughs> uh, well, new acronyms. Yep, I'll figure it out and it'll be fun. Either way, that's what we have. That would be just a quick one to end it on. So unless you guys have anything else? That's all for me. Cool. Yeah, uh, quote of the week from Aristotle, the great philosopher. Heck yeah. We are what we repeatedly... Sorry, long day. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Love that. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, the... Eh, no, I, I can't top Aristotle. He's got it. <laughs> yep, what a great mind. Be like Aristotle. I am Find it. yourself in some deep thoughts this week. Put him to work. All Be right. excellent. Yep, have an awesome week. Be extra productive. And per usual, we're going to see you normal schedule Friday morning. Yep, see you then. See you Friday.